you know, it's, it's the ginger of films that helps you clear your palate before you go dive in for the next film. But mm-hmm. it, I, I thought Annie was the ginger of films. <laughs> Yikes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 369 with our review of Mission Impossible uh, Rogue Nation. <laughs> I'm Christopher That's Chazy. Mission Impossible uh, Rogue Nation. Well, I mean, it's it's Rogue Nation, but it's about the syndicate, and then the last movie was called Ghost Protocol, and every time I finish saying the word Mission Impossible, I just want to say one of the either the subject of the new movie that's not the tagline or the tagline of the last movie that's not the current movie so that that's where the oh was i remembered what we saw i just was confused about what the subtitle was mission impossible 5 (laughs) not to be confused with my new barbecue restaurant mission impossible roast protocol (laughs) that's like barely a joke i know (laughs) it was not good (laughs) but anyways i am christopher schnazy i'm stephen miller and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are making it, making it our mission that we are accepting to bring you a review of this film, because uh, that's what we do. And uh, this podcast will not self-destruct in five seconds. So how you doing? I'm doing okay. <laughs> nice, lazy Sunday afternoon. Um bought a bunch of fans i know great great story fun to talk about (laughs) (laughs) how how are you doing chris i I assume you mean that you paid off a bunch of people to subscribe to our podcast and leave us yeah no i bought the spoiler warning like a thousand (laughs) fans which multiplied our number of fans by about a thousand so this is a lucrative lucrative purchase totally worth it (laughs) i think all none of these fans lose suction (laughs) (laughs) is that a diss on our fans you're saying they suck no didn't didn't you buy like dyson fans or something yes oh yeah that, that was that was the joke because dyson toilet or not the toilets there's an S, there's an snl skit where they had like the dyson toilet that never loses suction but yeah the dyson vacuums the whole thing is that they never lose suction at least that's mm-hmm. what the guy always says yeah so i went to buy just one of the cool dyson things but then i saw like regular fans that are also quiet and i bought one of those too so okay. now i have one more fan than i have need for a fan Gotcha. Well, I mean, it's, you know, we're in the middle of summer-ish, so it, it's, like, or is September the, the time when it actually fully gets hot? September? No, I think that's too late. I feel I th- like August. August is about the peak of it. I feel like for some reason, I think, like, two summers ago, we had, like, an insanely hot summer, and it was like, oh, it's September, it should be good now, and it got, like, really terrible in Escondido, but I, I could be remembering that wrong. We're not in Escondido anyway, so who cares? Yep. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we're not here to talk about fans. We're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about impossible, impossible, <laughs> impossible missions. We're here to talk about impossible missions and uh, Tom Cruise. So <laughs> what do you say? Let's go for it. All right, we are going to give you guys a chance to listen to the trailer for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and then come back and give you a review. You have to get through 12 feet of concrete and 70,000 gallons of pressurized water without any metal. No oxygen tanks. Benji, stand by to receive. 
Ethan, you ready? Important point. If you haven't opened that hatch after two and a half minutes, we're both dead. No, no, no. Ethan, do you copy? Ethan, abort! Abort now! Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you okay to drive? I mean, a minute ago, you were dead. What are you talking about? This is not going to end well. Mr. Chairman, the time has come to dissolve the IMF. It's not just a rogue organization. It is a disgraced one. Shutting down the IMF is a mistake you may regret. This is Brent. Go secure. Go. The syndicate is real, and they know who we are. You need cooling! A rogue nation, trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. They're coming after us with everything they've got. Oh, boy. You want to bring down the syndicate? It's impossible. Take your position. I have eyes. The show is about to start. Got it. You and your team will answer for every wanton act of mayhem you are responsible for. Now we are all wanted by the CIA. Awesome. Did you see Bill Dunn? You must be down there! This may be our last mission. Let's make it count. Open the door! Come on. Yeah, I'm trying. Benji, open that door right now! Oh my god! Okay, so that was the trailer for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Basically, after the events of the last film, our government has decided they're going to close down the Impossible Missions Force, or the IMF, uh, because, you know, what do we need these guys for? Because, I mean, they're doing these missions, and basically it comes down to possibly being luck that they're making it through each of these cases. So they're getting uh, shut down, and meanwhile, there's this rogue nation that... Uh, Ethan Hunt is trying to figure out, basically prove that it actually exists, um, but he doesn't have the resources of the, of the IMF because they have been shut down, and uh, he's got to go basically do another impossible mission and hopefully <laughs> save the day. Uh, Steven, uh, did this film work out for you, or are you going to disavow the fact that you saw the movie? <laughs> well, I won't. I won't disavow it, but I think I might be a little contrarian, Patrick, with this one. <laughs> um, I, I didn't realize, by the way, until just like two minutes ago, I went on Rotten Tomatoes. And this movie has like a 94% or something. This is like widely loved <laughs> movie yeah. of the summer, which I... Okay, so I should put my cards on the table and say I never saw Ghost Protocol. What? So, yeah, never saw it. I know people loved it. Brad Bird and all that. Um, I might have seen it on an airplane at some point, but like I never, I never went out and sought that movie. <laughs> so um, I have not been on the Mission Impossible bandwagon since Mission Impossible Three came out. Like right around the time we all decided to not like Tom Cruise anymore, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the like the War of the Worlds era Mission Impossible. <laughs> um, hey, so Mission, like Mission Impossible Three was cool. 
yeah no it was cool i've i've enjoyed all of them uh but they've never been something that i considered like great movies or like finding out they're making a new one has never been a big draw for me um so i basically went into this <laughs> with very little expectation and it met the very little expectation <laughs> um not to not to spoil <laughs> my review or anything um so okay well, you're so, giving your review right now so you can't really spoil it yeah so so i feel like I, I don't know. The pacing of this movie is very strange to me. I feel like the first two thirds of it are a totally unnecessary bland action movie with all the totally unnecessary bland action movie tropes. Like fight sequences are choreographed with a jump cut every two seconds. So you get no sense of geography or what's going on. Um, the plot wasn't really driving me along. It had kind of this like James Bondy mystique, but without the cool factor that that makes me go to bat for it and then right when i thought the movie was going to be over it turns out there was like 40 minutes left <laughs> uh, and the the last act was like 10 times better than anything i had seen till that point it, it was like the movie took off its boring action movie mask and revealed that it actually was like a fun movie that had, <laughs> had a few tricks up its sleeve um so i kind of feel the way I felt about The Kingsman, where there there were a few things in the movie, the highs were high enough that I was like, I was having a good time watching it. And I felt like this is a well-crafted movie that has a few fun ideas up its sleeve. But that still doesn't counter for me that like an hour and a half of this film <laughs> felt just totally bland and unnecessary. Um so, like, the good, I think Edge of Tomorrow proved it to me, but Tom Cruise is definitely still a great action hero. Yeah. Like, it's insane that he's 53 years old <laughs> right now, and he, like, dangles off of planes. I I think I heard that was an actual stunt he did. Don't tell me if it wasn't, because I choose to live in a world where Tom Cruise hangs onto airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, it's... There... At some point, he was strapped to the side of an airplane and things were shot. I don't know. It's kind of like one of those things with uh, with Mad Max Fury Road where, like, everything was practical. And it's like, well, yeah, everything was practical, but, like, half the time it wasn't practical, you know? <laughs> so, we forced Tom Cruise to experience all these things. We just replaced his muscles with <laughs> <laughs> ropes that tied him to an airplane. He was strapped to the side of the plane, but the plane wasn't going anywhere. No, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Um I'm assuming that at some point he hung on the side of a plane that was probably flying in the sky. I don't know. I haven't looked into it enough to verify exactly what that means, but I'm still willing to give him that was awesome. So I, I've been carrying with me for pretty much my whole life the belief that Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 2 when he's hanging off of that rock, yeah. that he actually did that. And there were no nets or anything. Of course there were nets. <laughs> but I choose to believe that he did that. And now I choose to believe that he also hangs on to the side of an airplane. Uh, anyway, so he's a good action star. He's fun. I I love the, the charisma that he brings to screen. He's just a very likable dude who is like... He's serious enough that it's fun to watch him as an action star. It isn't just like a comic type movie. But yeah. then he's also like fun and uh like winking enough that you never feel like the movie is actually taking itself too seriously 
Uh, he just strikes that balance really well. Edge of Tomorrow did it, and this does it not quite as well, but still still really good. Um, I also really liked uh, Rebecca Ferguson, the the female agent in this movie. Yeah, uh, I thought she was cool. I loved that for once they had like a an attractive, talented agent who isn't just like a sex object <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the movie. Uh, it was pretty rad that they actually decided to make her be a complicated character. But other other than like the star power of those two and the last act that has a few pretty fun wow moments, everything just felt like really generic to me the whole the whole way through this movie. I felt like I was watching every James Bond movie ever made where he's trying to discover something and there's a a MacGuffin, like there's something that they have to capture and the way that it goes about and the people they fight in the process don't really amount to anything. And so having experienced two thirds of a like very unsatisfying movie, the end wasn't enough to do it for me. Like I still walked away thinking that was a decent movie that I have no desire to ever see again. Yeah. So I'd be really curious to see how you felt about the film. If you had seen ghost protocol, because I mean, in ghost protocol, there is a, there's a similar uh, sense to the course of this film because uh, one of their earlier missions in that a film, as you, you know, spoilers for that film, but it's referenced in this movie. And I don't know why you'd be seeing this movie if you're not Stephen, if you hadn't seen the last one. But <laughs> basically, the Kremlin gets destroyed on a mission, and they get framed for it. So they feed it water after midnight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. The the Russian Kremlin. Um, yeah. But the you just totally sidetracked me with that <clears throat> so anyways they get framed for this thing and they're sort of on the run also so it's almost like they also don't have the backing of the imf in in the last movie it's, <laughs> it hasn't been completely dissolved but them as people are it, it, you can almost call them the rogue nation in the last movie because they think they are possibly traitors and um they're sort of on the hook until they can prove that it wasn't them um so this film does a lot of referencing back to the events of the last film. It does a lot of, oh, these characters that we know and love, these characters that we had fun with last time. Um, like in the last, in the last movie, uh, one of their plans involves them creating a mask, but the machine that generates the mask has some problem and they don't get to use the mask. So like there's this like running gag between both movies where like Simon Pegg just wants to be able to wear a mask no matter what. And anytime mm-hmm. something doesn't allow them to wear a mask, he gets really upset. Like, damn it, I wanted to wear the mask. <laughs> um, so this like I if you haven't figured out already. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I love this movie. Um, I'm 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 already fully on board. If I could get like a new Mission Impossible movie every year for the next whoever the hell knows first of all it would be it'd be good to counteract the star wars and marvel films and dc films that we're going to be getting basically every single month from here on out starting at the end of this year is going to be either a marvel film a a star wars film or or a dc film um so it would be nice to have another property kind of like in between to kind of like you know it's it's the ginger of films that helps you clear your palate before you go dive in for the next film but Mm -hmm. It, I, I thought sh- Annie was the ginger of films. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so these films are, they're very fun. They're, the events in them are serious, but like there's still this kind of like tongue-in-cheek-ness to it. Like the stakes are real, but 
it's kind of like a series of people who know they're a badass doing these missions that are supposed to be impossible and they kind of just keep trying to one-up themselves and i am i think it's really fun like i i get what you're saying about how it it doesn't seem like maybe the events are so huge and grand but that's because the film is sort of episodic like this um I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like, I, I feel like you're either going to be in on this series or you're not. And maybe you're leaning a little bit closer than not. But it's really what it comes down to is let's take these guys, put them in a crazy situation, spend some time explaining how crazy the situation is and watch them deal with that and get through it. Like, that's that's the basic premise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, you're going to see all this tech and gadgets and stuff. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of James Bond also. I've always loved the gadgets and stuff and that. But, like, where it's different is in James Bond, like, Q shows up and he's like, here's this gadget that I've made. And then he explains how it works and then you get a scene where he uses it. In this movie, like, they don't explain any of the gadgets. You just see it work. You you know what it's doing. Like, the the little thing where they, like, push their phone into a lock and then you can see the inside of the lock and have it go and, like, hit all the little spots that are supposed to lift or let down and then, boom, the door unlocks. Like, they don't spend time saying, like, this is, like, an automatic door locker picker. They just go, boom, and show it to you. The the little dial that spins to do the combination locks. Like, all these things you just see and you see it working. You're like, cool, I get how that works. This is awesome. Um, it's just a fun seri- series with ridiculous scenarios. Um, obviously, Tom Cruise is awesome. The lead chick was awesome. The villain was pretty frightening too like he's not a physically uh formidable character but he just looks pure evil like when right. you look you, at you him, believe that he would be capable of anything i he, i like that kind of casey affleck type like husky voice <laughs> quiet frightening villain yeah it, it was just like amazing because like when you see it like the first time you see him you're like eh he's just another like possibly older dude who is whatever but then like once you see him for real you're just staring into him you're like yeah i'm frightened mm-hmm. i don't want to mess with this guy <laughs> um so yeah i i think in a way you're right this film sort of just checks all the boxes that it needs to do for like a, an espionage spy thriller but at the same time all those boxes that it's checking it's giving it a big ass check and it's making it really awesome Mm-hmm. Like, I love the fact that the big, huge money shot from the trailer is actually, like, the first 30 seconds of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and by far not the biggest money shot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just one of those things where it's like, get ready. You got to wait till you see him strapped to the side of a plane. And then it's like, oh, no, we're just going to do that. And we're not even going to show, like, the entire event. We're just going to we're gonna enter the event mid-mission. And then we're just going to cut, like, as the mission is, is being finished. Yeah, um, and and I, I hear what you're saying, too, because I feel like... Everything you described is what made Furious 7 such a fun movie to me. I yeah. mean, there, there is a franchise that just keeps chugging along, escalating the stakes higher and higher, of putting the main characters in more ridiculous situations to escape from. And there, the, there's just a kind of energy level that, like the, the, the amount of fun that they squeeze into those movies transfers to me i'm having fun the whole time whereas this movie at least the way it started out and the way it introduced the characters maybe maybe only because i don't already love them um but it just didn't it didn't do anything to draw me in it was like watching a james bond movie without any context of uh, a villain or i i don't know it, it was like watching people do a very good james bond impression but 
that didn't amount to the kind of addictive fun that other high adrenaline movies seem to have for me. Like I'm I'm fine with episodic. It just needs to it needs to be episodic in a way where I can be pulled in at the beginning of the episode so I care what is going to happen by the end. And it felt like it jumped over that part. <laughs> like it just started with Tom Cruise strapped to a plane instead of giving me the exposition that maybe would have made me be a little more uh, on board with it. Well also the exposition is the last film is Ghost Protocol. So in in the scene where Alec Baldwin is trying to get IMF shut down, all those slides he's putting on the board are the events that happened. Like the building getting knocked by a missile, that was the climactic scene <laughs> in the last movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's it's resting on on the fact that you watched the last movie. Like Jeremy Renner's character will make zero sense to you unless you've seen like in the last movie, he was this sort of like goody two-shoes analyst guy who just got assigned to the group. And he was like, I don't know, you could, I'm probably like saying it wrong, but you can kind of call him like the scully of the group where he was supposed to just report on what Ethan was doing and yeah. kind of like keep him in check. And um, like over the course of the movie, you start to realize that like he has skills way above what you would expect an analyst to have like is he really just an analyst? And, and like, that's like one of the things in the movie, right? Um, mm-hmm. So him, he has this very goody two shoes. Like I need to report on everything that Ethan's doing mindset already. That's why he's like that. That's why he's kind of in the role of he's still back at like, you know, he's, he's, he is the reason why he is pulled into um, the CIA after the IMF is, is uh, disbanded and why he's the guy who's sort of back having to do the desk pushy work um, as opposed to being like, I'm going to sneak off and be in the field is because that's sort of the character that he is. So, like, it, it, he's the Melissa McCarthy of this movie. <laughs> in, in a way, but I, I just, it's, I, with, without getting too spoilery, um, you, you have to believe he acts certain ways based on the last film to really buy into the kind of where the plot starts to go towards the end of this movie, if that makes sense. So I think I think it's a lot more fun when you know that character as opposed to he just a guy who is only on screen for five seconds at a time and is sort of like half smirking every time he delivers a line. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah. I, I think maybe the, and it isn't that, it isn't that there was any lack of likability. Like, I love the Simon Pegg. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was great. And it was particularly great to get to know him for the first time, whereas I guess everyone else has already known him for an entire movie. Yeah. Um, he was great. It's just... So most of these movies, there's at least one or two big set pieces of a thing they need to break into and do that kind of are the big memorable moments of the movie. And in this one... As far as I can tell, the big daring thing that has to happen is Tom Cruise needs to be able to hold his breath for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that isn't too big a spoiler, but it it didn't have the feeling of how are they going to do this? Like it didn't let me ever sit with the belief that they wouldn't get the job done. And maybe it's because five movies in they've they want to mix it up a little bit. Like they know that we don't need that anymore. But it could be that with every movie, they're always getting the job done. So yeah, (laughs) but no, I mean, there are stakes that scene because it's not just, he has to hold his breath for a really long time. It's he has to hold his breath for a really long time and complete his task before somebody else who's also walking through his own situation 
gets to a certain point in that. Otherwise, like, they're both hosed. Yeah, but it's just the gap between that being introduced as a premise and being executed is, like, maybe six minutes of the movie. Like, it didn't it didn't make me sit in anticipation ever, <laughs> as far as I can tell, which is fine. Like, maybe it cuts to the money shots because that is where the franchise is. But as someone being reintroduced to it, I felt like I... I wanted that that feeling that maybe they wouldn't make it for a brief moment. And I, I didn't really ever have that. Well, it, it might be that it... Because it's sort of a stylistic choice. Because if you remember the first Mission Impossible, like half the movie is spent with them planning on what they're going to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> a lot of like, we'll be here and we're going to meet here and we're going to talk about it and then we're going to go here and then we're going to execute this plan. And they're like, oh shit, something went wrong. I wonder if there's a traitor in amidst our group. Um and they're, they're, they've kind of gone to this stylish, stylistic thing where they're kind of carrying out the thing as they're explaining how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And then in this, they take it one step far, forward, making it even more stylistic where they're explaining why certain things won't work and they're showing you those not working. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, okay, now we're at the real, the real job. So it's like I really enjoyed that, like the frenetic kind of like quick cutting that they did for that. And, and it does kind of just throw you into like, Okay, now I'm diving in a hole. Um, but it, it kind of cuts out the the other stuff, I guess. So to get more like technically picky, did you like the fight sequences in this movie? Because I'm normally not that aware of like a lack of craft involved in action films. But in this movie, I was so painfully aware of the fact that Every time a punch was going to be landed or a move was going to be done, the camera just cut to a different side of the room. Like there, there's this feeling that you you can't follow what's going on because there is nothing actually going on. <laughs> and, and I don't know that re- that really bugged me. I know I've seen way worse action movies and not complained about that, but, but this time around, I kind of I got stuck there. I I, I know that like. Carson is very averse to anything like that happening in a film, and he gets freaked out. I'm always the most uh, the most fine with it. Um, in this film, it was fine because I think that the focus isn't really on the action. It's focused. It seems to focus a lot of, on like the physical prowess of of Tom Cruise. So, like mm-hmm. in that one scene where he's locked up, right? Like it focuses on like it spends more time showing him do like the weird move where he gets himself off that pole, like just to show like, look, normal people probably can't do this, but look how strong he is. And then it spends less time. It's like, it it focuses on the girl doing the like flippy spinny move and him getting off that pole and less on the actual physical combat. But I think the, the larger action scenes I thought were like the motorcycle chase scene was badass. Oh yeah. That was great. That was amazing. Um, even though it's like kind of simple, it just it communicated speed and ridiculous stuff in a way that made it seem really awesome. First of all, that that shot in the trailer where he pulls like the e brake and then spins his car in the middle of that alleyway is like one of the most badass things ever. <laughs> it's so rad because like it's just a perfectly executed stunt that like only works because that alleyway is the exact width of a car and it's just rad. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, to answer your question, it didn't bother me. Um, I could see how it could bother somebody. Um, but I, at, at this point, I'm sort of... I'm like, Did you ever watch uh, the cartoons Dragon Ball Z? Uh, yes. You know, like, 
it was never really about the combat because the combat was always like, ah, 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 like a bunch of like either still frames or those weird like ghosted images where you can't actually see their hands moving. They're just like shaking back and forth and doing that. Like anime. Yeah. 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 Well, any anime, but some anime doesn't do it quite as bad as that. Um, that one's like particularly heinous. Uh, that's sort of like, I'm sort of trained as that's an okay thing. Like I don't have to follow every single like if if you're trying to do something that shows off a particular skill like maybe with a knife so like did you see uh the raid 2 no i didn't so there's a couple scenes in the raid 2 where like somebody has a knife and they're doing what seems like one seamless move where they're like stabbing a guy in the inner thigh in the chest like three times and then in on the inside of his arm and then like pulling across his arm and it's like for you to get what just happened, you have to be able to follow that move. But that is showing somebody who's really proficient with a knife, right? Like the, the key to, to knowing what he just did is that like he just did a lot of damage real fast because he's that skilled. In other movies, all you kind of have to know is that somebody got hit and now they're down. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it, it's, it's less important for me to follow it unless the camera is trying to show me something specific. Um, like, you know, in a, in a Bourne movie where... Uh, you know, Jason Bourne will pick up a book and then like hit a guy in the neck with it and then like punch the book to like do more damage with, with the, the book as he hits <laughs> the guy. Like you need to see that. And if you don't, if you're not be able to follow the action, then you're not going to see it. Um, so I guess it depends on the individual attack and, and what I'm supposed to gain from that shot of how much I care, how shaky it is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I can buy that. I I just have to say, a part of me feels like there were fight spe fight scenes in Spy that were better than this movie. Oh no, for sure. Like that 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 kitchen fight in Spy is one of the best. Like yeah, there's no analog to the kitchen fight here. Even though in in my mind, because okay, the, these kind of movies can be like an Ocean's Eleven type movie, you know, of planning a thing and then showing it be carried out, and they they clearly kind of shortcut through that in this movie like it's been done too many times um and it could be like a furious movie and i think it does a pretty good job of that like a high high speed race scenes and just ridiculous motorcycle airplane car <laughs> driving through heavy traffic yeah scenes so that i think it does pretty well at but in my mind the thing i most wanted to see was a spy movie here or see a few very proficient agents uh fight <laughs> fight very well and escape things very deftly and because that was the focus when i was watching it then it does kind of bug me that they didn't show me anything particularly cool or well done in, in that side of things well okay so there's a fight towards the end that involves I'll, the way i'll describe it is it's two people using one gun <laughs> mm -hmm. um i assume you know the the fight i'm talking about yeah okay did you feel that one was was like, could you follow where the bad guys were, where they were, and why they were trading positions and stuff like that? Like, what, did, did that one make more sense than maybe earlier fight scenes for you? Or was that one suffering from the same problem? I, I would say it made more sense, but it was still a little a little cloudy to me. It was still too too frenetic to completely follow the, the tactics. But it was a lesser offender. That was definitely one of the better ones in the movie. I, I guess for me in general, why this doesn't affect me in most films is that I'm sort of, I'm sort of accept, accepting that 
the, the what I'm seeing is the version I can handle seeing. Like these people are so proficient that to them that fight probably seemed pretty calm and just normal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like I'm seeing the the human outside of the situation. Like obviously the directors are purposely making it crazy so you can't follow the things so, you, so they can hide certain things and crap like yeah. that. But at the same time, I feel that like if if we were just at a cafe on a street and then a bunch of spies started like fighting and shooting each other, chances are if like a police officer came by afterwards, he's like, all right, so what happened? I'd be like, pff, pff, I don't know. He said pass the salt and then there's guns and then I was on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's in a way, I guess I just accept it outright because – I would not be able to follow what was happening if that was all really happening. <laughs> you you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the real thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's true. It only matters what I can prove. Also, one one other nitpick, which is maybe spoilery, but I, I don't think it matters. Um, in this movie, there is a moment where... Tom Cruise gives a terrorist $50 million. <laughs> and that seems like a really weird part of a plan. Like, like that's a whole lot of money to be like, I don't, I don't know. I, well, we can't get into it without real spoilers, probably. You're, you're, you're forgetting that uh, you didn't see the last film, but there was the scene where Alec, Alec Baldwin brought up the fact that in the last movie, Ethan Hunt hands nuclear launch codes <laughs> to, a, to a terrorist. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's really just, it, it's a... Uh, you know, it, it, he's, he does it. That's just what he does. <laughs> I just feel like like 80 grand would have gotten the point across <laughs> just fine. Well, yeah, but then the terrorists wouldn't know he was serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a kind of a badass moment, though. You got to admit. No, it, it was a cool scene. I, I think that part of the movie, if the whole film had been the third act, I would have walked away with a much more positive uh much more positive vibe from the film it just felt like a little too little too late (laughs) we'll go back and watch ghost protocol and then come back and then be like you know what now that i think about it that movie is pretty awesome all right i'll I'll go watch it and we'll re-record my review if it happens (laughs) no we don't have to re-record it it just i would be curious if you watch the well the problem is that in reverse, you might have the same problem with the last film that you did with this film. Mm-hmm. But then again, there are a lot more really big action, action scenes. Like we said, it, like the entire, you know, the Kremlin gets blown up. You know, the giant uh, skyscraper in Dubai, like the one that's like bajillion, bajillion. Burj. Burj. I keep wanting to say Wiz Khalifa. Burj <laughs> or something. Uh, well, he, they're, they're in the, the big money shot of that movie is that he has to climb the outside of that with like sticky gloves to get to a server room to like do something right while furious cars are <laughs> jumping out of it <laughs> yeah well furious cars are jumping out of it um so i mean there are some really like and, and that film actually had sequences that were shot on imax um so if you saw it in the imax like when he steps out of the building and like swings on the outside of the building like it just opens up and does full imax and then there's a whole chase scene that takes place during a sandstorm um it, there's a bunch of rad stuff that happened in the last movie it, it is sort of bigger um than this one is but i think this one um is able to rest on like what the last one did first so i i i would definitely say that um the if if what if your problem with this film is that it didn't quite go bigger and badder enough for you um 
like if this movie was just about being fast and not about seeing something else, <laughs> then the uh, then Ghost Protocol might actually fix that for you. So I, I don't think my problem is that this didn't go big enough. I mean, they go all over the place in this movie. Um, <laughs> but I do think one problem is there was not enough exposition like there was they didn't do the work in the beginning to make me care about what was going on and that might be remedied by watching the prequel yeah yeah for sure it would because because this movie literally it just continues pretty much pretty closely after the last movie ended um it's like the events of that one directly lead to the imf getting shut down and then i mean there is the the idea of this rogue nation known as the syndicate it is sort of just thrown out there like, oh, this is something that Ethan Hunt has sort of been suspicious of for a while, I guess. And now we're learning about it as he's finding these people. Um, so that aspect of it, there isn't really a lot of exposition. But, I mean, you do you do get to understand what the syndicate is. And um, he sort of is from the same standpoint of like, I don't know what it is. I just know that it's real. And I'm trying to find the guy who's in charge of it. Mm -hmm. So... So the real question is then um, whether or not you go back and watch Ghost Protocol, if two years from now we have another Mission Impossible, are you going to be excited at all for it or are you just going to watch it because you know I'm excited for it? Somewhere in between. I, I mean, this did this did enough right that I would certainly believe it could be good. I, I would never rule it out. Uh, but if not for the podcast, I'm not sure I would go and check out Mission Impossible 6. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I already said that I'm super on board and I would love these to come out yearly. <laughs> like, I want Mission Impossible to become the new Resident Evil where they're like, we're just going to keep putting them out until they stop making money. <laughs> mm. um, so, so yeah, <laughs> that's my take on it. Nice. But anyways, uh, do you think we've said everything we need to say for this review? I think so. I feel like I don't want... I, I don't want to get too negative because that isn't really my goal and clearly a lot of people have had a ton of fun with this movie and conditions were probably not perfect for me yeah. all i can say is it it did not do it for me and there are plenty of good enough action films that would do it for me regardless of what mood i walked into them with so and, this and, was not the highest caliber and when did you end up seeing it like was it a super super late showing like like 10 p.m Okay, that's not not too bad. I think that's around when I saw it too. So, yeah, we we were both in s similar circumstances. I just didn't know if it was like you went and saw it after you went to that comedy show. <laughs> uh, I did actually. Okay, so that could also lead to it too. You just finished laughing for like two hours, and then now you're gonna go sit in two hours at this like movie that doesn't tell you what happened in the last movie. Yeah, that that does lend itself to a kind of weird vibe. But <laughs> but this is not the first time I've done that. I have gone. Earlier this year, I went straight from a comedy show to, I think, Furious 7. Okay. Um, a movie with six prequels, none of which I had seen <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> so I don't think I don't think this movie gets a free pass just because of that. Gotcha. I was just trying to help it out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's get to our verdicts then for this episode. Steven, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? <sighs> It's either a strong pass or a weak rental. 
I feel like I've been too wishy-washy lately, so I'll do pass for the caveat. Like, I, it sticks with rental all the time. Um, I like how, like, you were like, I don't want to get too negative on this film. It's either a strong pass or a weak rental. No, no, like uh, in the upper echelon of pass with caveat. Ugh. On the border between pass and rental. Uh, oh, boy. No, I'll, I'll go a little soft. I'll, I'll give it a weak rental. This would probably be a fun movie to rent with popcorn. Doesn't do anything wrong. Plenty of fun. The first hour just didn't really need to be there. It would be a, a great time to rent both of them together and eat popcorn and drink yeah, some beer. Yeah, do a double feature. Yeah. The Impossible Missions movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But anyways, uh, I am just, I'm going to give it a must-see. Um, I just got to do it. I had so much fun with this movie. I was really stoked to see it. Um, and I hope they keep making them because it's awesome. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I think when the last one came out, it was sort of the collective opinion of the universe, I guess, that it was going to be um, Tom Cruise's last uh, entry into the series and that he was going sort of going to be passing the buck to Jeremy Renner's character. Yeah, that, that's what I believed, actually. Yeah, that, that, that's just what people uh, thought was happening. And at the end of the film, um, you know, spoilers for the end of that film, uh, there, there's like the four members of the, of the show sitting down at a desk and he hands them all a phone and asks them if they want to, like, take another mission. And it was sort of like maybe this is going to be a scenario where Tom Cruise was involved, but he wasn't going out on missions. He was just going to be like the one giving out the missions to the team. And then we would follow the team as they went on. But clearly he's still going to be in them until he can't. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited for it. it as, as long as he can still do it, I'll be stoked. They're, they're fun. I'm, I'm glad they exist. <laughs> they're better than other things. Great tagline for the movie. Yeah, Stephen Miller. Other things better than other things. All right. Well, uh, so that's our verdicts for this one. I think it's going to be the end of this review. So, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, if you you know how to find me, <laughs> Vin Rams can can help track <laughs> you down. Yep. All right. People can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com/slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site or you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and let's just face it it's going to be the awesome Mission Impossible theme um, so hopefully you're enjoying that as much as we're enjoying that uh, or at least I'm enjoying that I don't know Stephen might hate the song but <laughs> he's not editing the episode so <laughs> um, but yeah um, thanks for joining me again Stephen thanks for having me and thank you guys all for listening we'll see you next week bye <laughs>